Hi, this is Pastor Bob Yandy, and yesterday we started on a two-part series called Leah Learns to Rest. And Leah, who had so many problems in her life, finally got to the point where she said, I'm truly going to trust God, and the New Testament talks about the power of learning to rest in God. Let's go to the Word of God together. For more than 40 years, Bob Yandian has been an expositor of the Bible, making seemingly complicated doctrine easy to understand. Grab your Bible and something to take notes with and study the Word of God with Pastor Bob Yandian. Welcome again to Student of the Word with Pastor Bob Yandian. Good to have you here with us today. I began yesterday teaching on the subject of Leah and how Leah learned to rest really started out this way is the the greatest thing you can do after you've trusted God is enter into rest. Rest lets you get back to your life doing what you're supposed to do. And rest also says, God, you're going to handle this. And you know, oftentimes we take a scripture from the word of God, we start trusting God, and then, then we come back complaining a week later. Well, Lord, it hadn't gotten any better. In fact, it's just got worse. We actually try to bring out God up to date on the circumstances, like he needs us to do that. Come on, he knows the circumstances better than you do. And it's not up to you to bring him up to date or fill him in on what's going on. He knows that. Finally, you come to the point, this is the most important thing. Find a promise, pray in faith, Put the results and even the timing into God's hands and then leave them there. Quit going back, pulling them back out and say, well, maybe I can, well, maybe I can, and no, leave it in God's hands. That's like planting a seed and a day or two later, pulling it up to see how what the progress is and sticking it back in. Pulling it up a week later and seeing what the progress is. No, you're going to kill the thing. So here's what happens. Once you put it in God's hands and you walk away and leave it and trust God and just end up, every time you think about it, you just say, well, praise God, he's handling it, not me. You quit obsessing over the time that has passed since you prayed. You quit obsessing over seemingly contradictory circumstances. You live by faith in God and switch to praise instead of griping. Again, you found the promise. You prayed in faith. You put the results and timing into God's hands. Now walk off and leave them there. God's gonna handle it. Live your life, fulfill your call, and leave the results in God's hands. And this is what we have in the Word of God. I brought you many things and told you about them, but let's talk about them for just a moment, all right? What are some of the stories in the Word of God that really we don't know what went on behind the scenes, or we do? Let's put it this way. We know what went on behind the scenes, but the general population, and he lets us in through the Word on the background of some of these problems of which the general public didn't know. In 2 Samuel chapter 11 and 12, David didn't go to battle but stayed home. And this is how he ended up when he was there by himself, bored out of his mind, got up out of bed in the evening when he should have been going to bed. He got out of bed, which showed he'd been sleeping all day long, walked around the house bored, looking for something to do, walked out on the patio and him being the highest house, looked down and saw a woman bathing naked. It was Bathsheba, but she didn't know the men, I mean, that he was there. She thought all the men were at battle. She didn't know that David was geographically out of God's will. He should have been at Rabbah fighting, but he sent his highest commander there and David stayed back here and there was nothing to do. He probably told everybody he was gonna stay home and pray. Oh, I'm, I'm gonna catch up on my study life and oop, I feel a psalm coming on. So no, I'm sure David had a hundred excuses of why he stayed at home. None of them were right, but David went from simply being geographically out of God's will to being bored, lusting after a woman, brought her in, had sex with her. She got pregnant and David tried to pass it off on her husband, brought him home, but he wouldn't go home and go to bed. Every time David 
said to him, you know, I want you, I just, I think you're such a wonderful man. I brought you home, lied to him, lied to him, lied to him. David tried to cover up his own sin, but whenever he finished eating, this is what happened. Her husband would go out and sleep with the men at the front gate. He said, as long as I'm gonna be here, I'm gonna stick because the men are out there fighting. Why should I go home and sleep with my wife? And finally, David had to have him murdered to get him out of the way. And then once he was murdered, he took Bathsheba into his own house. He knew what had happened. Bathsheba knew what had happened, but the general public did not know a thing. And all of a sudden, David looks like a hero. Why, this woman's pregnant. And her husband, who just got her pregnant, went to battle, got killed in battle, and David brings her in as his wife and is now going to adopt the child. Isn't David the most? I'm sure they had books written about it. I'm sure all the tabloids had pictures of David, how wonderful he was to bring Bathsheba in. But David and Bathsheba were the only ones who knew what was going on. Or did we forget something? At the end of chapter 11, it said the thing that David did displeased the Lord. God was present. He saw the whole thing going on. And God even wrote it for us in 2 Samuel chapter 11. He told us the whole story before the baby was finally born at the beginning of chapter 12 and died. We know what went on. I'm sure the public was crying with David and all this kind of stuff, but they didn't know. Elijah, Elijah was hiding in a cave, but the public never saw the wide emotional swings of the prophet of God, the despair, the anger, bitterness toward God. They never saw all of that. And so we can, because God showed it to us through the word of God. Moses struck the rock. The people didn't know why he didn't take them in the promised land when God said, Moses is going to take you in the promised land. But they get to the edge of the river and he dies. And the people don't know why, but behind the scenes, God said, speak to the rock, and he struck the rock. And God took him off to the side and chewed him out and said, you're not going to go in and take the children of Israel because of your disobedience into the promised land. And so the people never knew why. I'm sure one day when they finally died, they went to Abraham's bosom and saw Moses. They asked him why, and when he explained it, they went, oh, I see. You see, God knows what's going on behind the scenes, but he doesn't tell everybody. And the same thing with us in Proverbs 25 two, it's the glory of God to conceal a matter. And we then took it up from there and we started with Jacob and Leah yesterday. And let me just simply tell you, this is one fascinating story. The general population doesn't understand what's going on, but God gives us chapter after chapter, telling us the problems between Jacob and his wife, Leah, and Jacob's real love, obsession with Leah's sister, Rachel, the most beautiful woman he'd ever seen. Leah, he got trapped into. Again, their friends didn't know the story behind their marriage. And Jacob saw, again, the most beautiful woman ever before he was married to Leah. He saw Rachel, the daughter of the boss Laban, and he worked for Laban for seven years to marry Rachel. And during those seven years, he probably just would look at Rachel and think, it's worth it, it's worth it for seven years. At the end of seven years, Laban substituted his other daughter, Leah, into the ceremony. And here, he didn't know. I mean, Jacob walked down the aisle with her, probably came to the end of everything, threw the veil back, and all of a sudden he saw he didn't get the one he wanted, Leah. And he was very upset about that. And here's the point, too. Leah knew it. Leah knew that he had worked for Rachel for seven years, but this was her father's plan to get rid of her. He knew he could never get her married. 
And she knew she would never be married. And she was facing a life. And she knew the only way to have a husband was to trick him. And her, and her father did all the tricking. And so when the time came, Leah substituted his other daughter into the ceremony because this was Laban's one chance to get rid of Leah, to marry her off. And he did through trickery. And Leah also knew it, that this was her only chance to marry Jacob didn't know until after the wedding was complete, he married the wrong one, the homely looking daughter of the boss. It seemed like with the gene pool again. Here, Rachel got all the nice uh, looking genes and Leah did not. In fact, the name Leah means cow eyes in one of my translations. The Hebrew word just simply means she was very homely looking and it was not attractive. And here he again had her as his wife, but then he went back and he talked to his boss again. And he said to him, Laban, he said, you tricked me. And he said, yes, sir, I did. He said, I want your other daughter. He said, you have to work for me for seven more years. And you know what he said? I'll do it. I'll work for you for another seven years. But here's the whole point. And that is Jacob didn't know again until the wedding was over, he married the wrong one. When he said that he would work for seven more years to marry the more beautiful one, Rachel, Laban never planned to give Rachel to Jacob. Jacob, for those seven years, worked for him diligently, but Laban constantly cheated him, lowered his salary 10 times, wanting him to give up and finally quit so that he could get rid. But he again had given his word in the beginning. Now he gives his word again, but he just pull, he keeps pulling things over on Jacob. Jacob, but Jacob stuck with it. And I'm sure that Leah looked at, Leah probably hoped he would give up. So she would never have her sister in the marriage with her. But here's what happened. Jacob would not give up. After Leah married Jacob, she lived with the fact that she had been used by her father as a trick to marry Jacob. She also knew Jacob was stuck with her and did not love her. And Jacob still longed for Leah's sister, Rachel. Leah lived in jealousy of Rachel. Now she faced a possible future with Rachel for the rest of her life, two sisters with the same husband. Leah was blessed in one area and that was she could have children and she started having children. And you know what the best thing was? She gave him boys. In the ancient world at that time, the mark of a good wife was to have as many sons as possible, as a heritage to give to your husband. This was not only true in the uh, in the religion here of the Jews, but also of other nations around there to have as many sons as possible. Whenever it's time to pass on your kingdom, pass on your heritage to the next generation, you had a choice of a number of sons to give it to. And so again, this is what she gave him. She was blessed in that area. I mean, she was fertile. She could have children. And so again, she started having children. And here's the story again behind the story. Let's take a look at Genesis chapter 29. We're going to take a look at this and we'll carry this right on into the second half of this broadcast today. But I want you to notice here in Genesis 29, here's the story behind the story or more story behind the story. In Genesis 29, let's start and we'll take a look at verse 31 through 35. When the Lord saw that Leah was unloved, he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. So Leah conceived and bore a son and called his name Reuben, for she said, the Lord has surely looked on my affliction, Reuben being the firstborn of the 12 tribes of Israel. And of course it came through Leah. And she said, the Lord has surely looked on my affliction now. Therefore, my husband will love me. Did you see this? She's having sons to try to show her husband 
that she can have sons and she's hoping through this he'll love her. And she's actually looking at this and going, you know what, I'm sure he will because this is the mark of a great husband. This is the mark of a great family. And we have been thoroughly blessed by God to have sons. Now, therefore, my husband will love me. So she conceived again, bore a son and said, because the Lord has heard that I am unloved. So she found out after the first son, she was not loved anymore. He will therefore give me the son also. And she called his name Simeon. She conceived again and bore a son said, now this time my husband will become attached to me because I have borne him three sons. And she called his name Levi. And of course we know that he became the priestly tribe of the nation. So she conceived again after that it says, and bore a son and said, now I will praise the Lord. So she called his name Judah and she stopped bearing. What happened between Levi and Judah was this, is that she stopped bearing because for one reason she said, you know what, I'm not winning my husband over at all. And she said, I'm just gonna end up praising God. Here's what she did. What she did was this, she simply got this point where she said, you know what, I'm not helping matters any. And you know what, I can't help how I was, you know, looks when I was born. I can't help the fact that boys didn't like me. I can't help the fact that my father tricked my husband into marrying me. But you know what, I understand why he did. I just don't like it. Now I have a husband that wasn't looking for me as far as a wife was concerned, and I've given him four sons. But in these four sons that I've given him, I've realized something. I'm not helping the situation at all. And she finally, calling that fourth one Judah, began to praise the Lord. And this is how God eventually turned her whole situation around. Let me tell you what happened when she finally learned to rest in God. Have you learned to rest in God? We'll continue this right after halftime. I'll see you in the second part of the broadcast. What happens if we've prayed, but it seems like God isn't answering? Or if we are believing God for someone's healing, but their condition is getting worse? Worse yet, what if tragedy has already struck? Like the loss of a loved one, a failed marriage, or ruined business. We may begin to wonder, was it my fault? I prayed, but didn't receive an answer. At times we don't know for sure why something has happened, but God has promised He will answer. He simply tells us to return to what we know. He has not brought us this far to abandon us. In Why Did This Happen? Bob Yandian outlines the biblical steps to overcoming tragedy and what to do when we don't understand why something hasn't happened. We can take hope, strength, and confidence, knowing that God's word and plan for our life will not fail if we get up and begin moving forward again. To order Why Did This Happen? Visit our website at bobyandian.com. Theology Simplified. This is a class I teach at Karis Bible College. And it's my favorite class. I think the students' favorite class is there. And I've been waiting to put this into a book. It's eight different theological terms that sound difficult, but actually are very simple. I just simply think the Bible sometimes is filled with complicated sounding words, but you break it down, it becomes very simple. This book is called Theology Simplified. Let me tell you what all that covers. It covers predestination. It covers reconciliation and sanctification. It covers glorification, justification. Redemption, propitiation, and election are all covered in this book. And again, big words with simple meanings. I bring it down to you. When I used to pastor at the church, I would even tell, I'd say, housewives, you that are listening out there today in the congregation, this is designed for you too. The Word of God is not difficult. Go to my website, bobtheandian.com. You'll find how you can have a copy for yourself. Blessings upon blessings to you. Bob Yandian Ministries is training up a new generation in the Word of God. Because of your generosity and faithfulness, this teaching ministry is able to change countless lives. 
You will never know until you get to heaven how many people received Jesus, were filled with the Holy Spirit, healed, or found God's will for their life through your support and prayers. If you would like to become a partner with Bob Yandian, visit our website at bobyandian.com and click on Partnership. I want to speak very quickly to those who support this broadcast, to those who are my partners. You know, Paul commended the Philippians. In fact, they became the closest partners with him. And five times in his book, Paul uses this word partners for different aspects of how they were associated with him, with the gospel, in grace, in affliction, but also he brings that toward the end of it in financial giving. I'm here to tell you long before it comes to financial giving, I want your heart. I want your heart to be with mine. I want you to understand that there'll be times this ministry will be blessed and will rise up. There'll be times that seem like we're being brought down because we'll face afflictions and trials, but the Lord delivers us out of them all. And you decide even now, I'm gonna stick with Pastor Bob through thick and thin. Families go through problems, but the family sticks together. In my situation, my office, well, the whole time we've had our business has been up and been down, but we stick together. And the same thing true as far as the ministry is concerned. Does Satan ever attack this ministry? Yes. Does he have plans in the future to attack this ministry? Yes, but I'm gonna let him know ahead of time, God's gonna deliver me out of them all. And it's not just because of me, it's because I have a collection of those around me, partners who trust in God with me also, and thank God for you. And there's those who write me and tell me, I've just never heard the word of God open like this. Now, there you might, as far as ministry is concerned, you might like me, but you really appreciate others more. Support their ministry. You can support me some, but I mean, as far as your major, do it to them. I believe there comes a heart connection first, that you identify with somebody and they minister just like you want to hear. And you go, my Lord, yes, I appreciate them. And you listen to me and say, well, that's really good. I've never heard that before, but I'm not the one you connect with, but there's some who really connect with me. And the Philippians really connected with Paul. And during the toughest times of Paul's ministry, they stuck with him. And Paul commended them on three separate occasions for an offering they sent to him when he was in the area of Corinth. Again, what a great blessing that was. If you'd like to become a partner with me and join this wonderful group, I mean, I've got a group of people that just love me. I don't understand why, but they sure do. And they love the word. They love the way I preach the word. They love the way I communicate it, to show it to them. They love the things that happen. So if you'd like to become a partner with them, would you go to my website, bobyandian.com and simply find out there on my face page how you can become a partner with me. While I'm teaching on this particular subject today, again, Leah learns to rest. The book that I'm offering is, why did this happen? Because again, we often run into things in life. We say, why did this happen? And we don't know the story behind the story. God knows the story behind the story. In fact, what we are learning right here, when we read this story about Jacob and Leah, we don't, we know God's simply telling us, but did you know this? Like other stories in the Bible, really God's telling us something that the general public didn't know. The people saw Jacob and Leah going down the street together, probably holding hands with each other. They just had a little boy, then they had another little boy, then they had another little boy, then they had another little boy, four little boys in a row, and they're going, look, it's God's blessing on this couple. I mean, not only do they love each other, but man, look how God has poured out his grace on them and given them all these male sons and all the time they didn't know it, Leah was having sons. She didn't, I mean, she didn't try to have sons, but she kept having sons. And every son she would say, now nah, he's really gonna love me. And she was having children to try to win her husband's affection over to her. And she found out it didn't work. 
And so the, the order of these children simply came to this. The first son that she had was Reuben. After that, she had Simeon. Then she had Levi, and as soon as Levi was over, she understood something, this isn't working. And the next son that she had was Judah, and she called him Judah simply because the name means praise. And she said, I'm gonna end up praising God. Between son three and son four, she realized this, her works were not bringing her anything. Leah had four sons in a short period of time. And again, to their friends, it looked like a great outpouring of love, God's favor on their marriage of Jacob and Leah. It looked like Jacob loved Leah, but he didn't. Their friends didn't know the story behind the story. But the real story was that Leah was having children again to try to win the love of her husband. Every son brought her new hope that Jacob would now love her. And yet all she brought on herself was more responsibility to raise and take care of another child. And Jacob only thought of Rachel. He lived for the day he could marry her. What Leah thought would bring happiness into their marriage only brought more despair. And she finally came to this conclusion when son four was born. And that was, I'm going to praise God. And so she did. She started praising God and she turned the problems totally over to the Lord. And what she did was realizing something, my husband doesn't love me, but I'm going to find that love in the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to give myself more to him than ever before. And I'm going to develop my relationship with him more than ever before and find that if I can't have real happiness through my husband, I'm going to have it through the Lord himself. She didn't try competition. She didn't start going out with other guys. No, she went the right way and gave herself more totally to the Lord. And what she did was Leah finally learned to rest in the things of God. Let's take a look at Leah's problem. It was spiritual. It wasn't natural. Leah tried to win her husband's love by works. She was not responsible for the problem, that was her looks, but she was also not responsible for the answer. She was born into this situation. None of us, listen, there's nothing about our natural birth that totally satisfies us. Some of us don't like our color. Some of us don't like the fact that we were born in this city instead of that city. We don't like our parents, but you know what? In, in simply comes down to this. The moment we were born into this earth, it was totally the sovereignty of God. He picked the time of our birth, the place of our birth, not only the nation, but right down to the state, down to the city. What side of the city? What our socioeconomic background is, uh, who our parents were, our color, our gender, all these things. And sometimes we don't like what it is, but understand something, we're not responsible for it. And Leah was not responsible for her look. She was born that way, but simply came back to this. Even though she was born that way, God had a plan for her life, a plan for good and not evil. She was born also at this time because God chose it. She was born for such a time as this. So are you. So totally what she understood was this thing's up to the Lord. I can't do anything. So she made a recommitment of her life to the Lord and turned all these problems over to him. And it was up to the Lord now who only can turn cursing into blessing. We can't do it, only God can. We've been placed into situations we didn't like. We all have, but the way out is not trying to solve it by our own efforts. And that's what she had done. By the time she had four children, they were four monuments to the fact, I can't make my husband love me. I could have more sons after this, but you know what? It still won't change anything. I'm only adding more responsibility to myself, more diapers, more lunches, more all these things as they go to school. And I've got little ones right behind it. And this is the time to turn the situation totally over to the Lord. Put your total faith in God's promises. Watch him bring answers and peace into your despair. Isaiah 40 and verse 31 says, those who wait on the Lord, that's resting in him, will renew or exchange their strength. When you wait on God, your weakness is exchanged for his strength. Those that wait on the Lord, 
patiently wait on the Lord, rest in Him, exchange their strength for His, and now you can begin to operate in supernatural strength. So much so that Isaiah 40, 31 goes on to say, you can mount up with wings as eagles, run and not be weary, walk and not faint. Leah finally learned to rest. Leah finally got the message. When the fourth son Judah was born, she said, now I will praise the Lord. After all, this is what the name Judah meant. You can't worry when you praise God. Praise looks backward and forward at the same time. It brings back memories how God met your past problems, but it gives faith to solve your problems in the days to come. This is what the word of God means when it says, forget not all his benefits. Resting helps you to stop and remember, God brought me through this problem, which was huge. This problem is even bigger than other ones I've gone through and God brought me through those. Praise is a display that you are truly resting on God's promise. Praise is an outward display of the rest that's in your heart. And praise actually shows other people around you that you're totally trusting in God. We stand on the long line of people who have had problems bigger than ours. Most of them worse than ours and God delivered them out. When's the last time you actually had to have a Red Sea split in front of you? Well, God did it for the children of Israel. If he split an entire ocean, an entire sea for them and brought them through and drowned their enemies behind him, listen, God can do the same thing for you, but all you've got right now is a marriage problem. What you've got is a financial problem. What you've got is a health problem. It's nothing compared to what God did for them. Let me ask you this. When's the last time you got swallowed by a whale? None of you have, but yet God did the whole thing back there and Jonah was swallowed by a whale and God delivered him out. He brought water out of a rock. When's the last time you needed that? He provided bread in a desert for 40 years. When's the last time? You... The Bible is filled with these astronomical, huge, gigantic things he did for people to let you know if he could do that, he can certainly meet your need. Leah finally realized that when Judah was born and she put her life and marriage into God's hands, now was the time to truly rest in him. And anyone who really puts faith in God enters into rest, but she only did it for a while. Listen to what happened. Finally, Jacob got Rachel. And listen to what happened. The tables were turned. Leah found all of a sudden what she thought would be despair. She found it, a hope in it. And she switched from trusting God to trusting herself again. Genesis 30, verse 20. Leah said, God has endowed me with a good endowment. Now my husband will dwell with me because I have borne him six sons. And she called his name Zebulun. What happened between Judah and Zebulun? What happened? Jacob finally married Rachel. And when she did, Leah found something about Rachel she never knew. Here's what she found out. In verses one and two, it says, when Rachel saw that she bare Jacob no children, Rachel envied her sister. After Rachel finally married Jacob, 14 years, seven years with one wife, now seven years waiting for the next one, Rachel saw she bore Jacob no children. Rachel envied her sister and said, give me children or else I'll die. All of a sudden he realized I've married a spoiled brat. She's demanding children and she's the problem. She can't have children. Jacob's anger was aroused against Rachel. He said, am I in God's place? Has he withheld the fruit of the womb? Now Rachel was barren and envied Leah. Rachel blamed Jacob for an argument and it broke out and Rachel was spoiled, favored by her father and now used to getting her own way and says, give me children or I'll die. Really? You're going to die? What a drama queen. 
Jacob must have thought he married Kim Kardashian. That's all I can think of. And all of a sudden, Rachel had been the popular one all through school, had the looks that every girl wanted, every boy wanted to take her out. Leah now finally realizes jealousy is in Rachel toward me. Now Rachel was jealous of Leah and Leah loved it. Now she went back to experiencing the flesh and the point of it is it comes back to this. Finally, Leah learned to trust in the Lord again and rested. Now her sister was married to her husband, she was married to her husband, but somewhere along the line, Jacob's love for Leah increased. He looked beyond the outward beauty of Rachel and fell in love with the inward beauty of Leah. The scripture tells us a whole new meaning. Though the outward man perish, the inward man is renewed day by day. And let me tell you what happened in the end. With Rachel, Jacob married the woman he loved. With Leah, Jacob loved the woman he married. And the whole thing happened. When Jesus was born, he came through Leah, not through Rachel. And the point of it was also when Jacob died, he was buried next to Leah. What a great accomplishment and what a great testimony. And God can do the same thing. You can order resources, become a partner, or browse free articles and podcasts by visiting our website at bobyandian.com. You can also join our mailing list and receive weekly devotions and the latest ministry updates. If you would like to contact Bob Yandian Ministries, visit bobyandian.com and click on Contact. To contact us by mail, use the address on your screen. Thank you for watching today's broadcast. We'll see you next time on Student of the Word with Bob Yandian.